Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. It's the Valley. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. He's a sports editor. Sports columnist, sports writer. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in this profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. It is time for one of my favorite shows of the year. I've done this the past few years now, and I've had a lot of fun doing it. We are back once again. It is February 27th. The regular season is in the books in the Missouri Valley Conference. That means the next stop is St. Louis. Arch Madness is coming up this week. The bracket set. We had an all-time game last night between Northern Iowa and Loyola Chicago for the league title. It was epic, and I know... One thing people are going to ask me about, I will address it. I will address it accordingly. We have a lot to get to, including questions from the mailbag, if anybody wants to chime in on my, on my Twitter. Here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM, I'm your host, Nick Schultz. It is so great to be back with you, previewing Arch Madness. I can't wait. I'm going to be there this year. I think I said that last week. I think I think I told everybody I'm going to be there, but if I didn't, I will be in St. Louis. I'm heading down Friday, staying through the championship. That means, programming note, that means next Sunday's show will be live from St. Louis. We will be at the Arch Madness Championship. It's going to be so much fun. I am so, so excited. I covered last year's tournament from home because of the pandemic. Now this year, we're back in person, going to be at the Enterprise Center in St. Louis. I can't wait. It should be an awesome tournament as well. The bracket is set. Northern Iowa, as I said, is the number one seed in the Missouri Valley this year after winning last night's game against Loyola. They will play Friday at noon. Two seed, Missouri State, 6 p.m. game on Friday. I know Wyatt Wheeler's really happy about that because of his deadline situation. Missouri State's the two seed. Drake's the three seed. Loyola, with the loss last night, fell to the number four seed with the way the tiebreakers shook out. That means Loyola will play number five seed Bradley Friday at 2.30 in the afternoon. It's going to be a big game. Southern Illinois is the number six seed. 8.30 on Friday against Drake. That's going to be a good game as well. Those two teams just played last night. Seven seed Valpo. That will be the 8.30 game on Thursday. 
It's the battle of the ISUs to kick everything off Thursday at 6 p.m. Eight seed Illinois State versus nine seed Indiana State. And finally, the 10 seed Evansville will take on Valparaiso at 8.30 Thursday. Winner of Illinois State, Indiana State gets Northern Iowa Friday at noon. Winner of Valpo, Evansville gets Missouri State Friday at 6. Then we are off and running at the Enterprise Center in St. Louis. Postseason awards will come out this week. Coach of the Year will come out this week as well. Going to have some predictions for that. I've got a couple of questions in the mailbag, but we need to talk about that game last night. Oh my goodness, what a game that was last night in Cedar Falls. It says something that when the game was tied at halftime and at the end of regulation. I mean, that tells you all you need to know. This was a battle of the top two teams in the league, and it showed. Final score, Northern Iowa 102, Loyola 96 in overtime. The over-under for this game was 137.5, by the way. I went on and looked. It closed at 138. These two teams combined to score 198 points. So I hope nobody took the under. But man, I mean, what can you say about A.J. Green? 32 points, and it was only on 7-17 shooting from the field because he went 16 for 18 at the free throw line. I know I'll have thoughts on the referees in a second. Just hear me out. Noah Carter was unstoppable in the first half. They kind of contained him a little better in the second half. He finished with 24 points. Bowen Bourne. 20 points, 6 of 9 shooting, 2 for 3 from deep, including the dagger 3-pointer in overtime. That was just an unreal shot from last year's freshman of the year. On the Loyola side, Lucas Williamson had himself a night. 29 points, 7 rebounds. He did not have a steal in last night's game. Ryan Schwieger had 17 points, perfect shooting night. 5 of 5 from the field, 3 of 3 from deep, 4 of 4 from the free throw line, but he fouled out, which was huge in overtime. Braden Norris had 13 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. He was 2 assists shy of the first triple-double since Cameron Crutwig against Vanderbilt in, I believe that was 2019-2020. He hit some big shots as well. Chris Knight had 11 points before he fouled out. Three Ramblers fouled out last night. I cannot tell you the last time that happened in a game. I can barely tell you the last time two players fouled out in a game for Loyola. But the offense was the story last night. Loyola 31 of 62 from the field, 16 of 32 from deep. That's a 50% shooting night, 18 of 20 at the stripe. Northern Iowa 30 of 57 from the field, 7 of 18 from downtown, 35 of 42 from the free throw line. That's insane. So, all right, I'm going to get it out of the way now. Okay, I know people are mad about the officiating. I even tweeted about it. I'm not one to rip on the referees. I can count on one hand the amount of times I've come on this show and ripped on officiating. That includes NFL, MLB, NBA, college basketball, college football. You don't hear me complain about the referees. The refereeing last night was not good. Just just be straight up and down. It was not a well-officiated game. Either way, there were no calls that should have gone against Northern Iowa on Loyola. There were calls that should have been called on Loyola against Northern Iowa. There were calls that shouldn't have been called. I understand that it was not a well-officiated game. People made that clear on Twitter. A.J. Green shot 18 free throws on his own. Loyola shot 20 as a team. But to people complaining about the referees and saying, the, I've heard conspiracies about the officiating. There are people wondering if there was something with the referees against Loyola. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now. Let's get that thought out of our heads. Get that thought out of your heads. We're not talking about that. I know the refereeing was bad. I will admit it. 
I understand that. I just read you the stats. However, the reason Loyola lost that game last night, 16 turnovers. Northern Iowa scored 27 points off said turnovers. That's the difference in the game. I mean, I understand people are frustrated with the officiating. I get it. In a game like that, I was hoping for a better officiated game. But when all's said and done, it comes down to the turnovers. If the game comes down to officiating, and I have said this on this show before, if the game comes down to the referees, if you think the referees cost a team the game, you should not have put yourself in position for it to come down to the referees. I'm just going to be straight up and down. That's how I approach it. That's just me. If you want to, if you have your thoughts, you have your thoughts. I can't stop you from that. But on on this show, in this seat, I'm not going to come out here and put on a tinfoil hat. So I'm going to leave it at that. I've read you the stats. That's all I'm going to say about the officiating from last night. The story of the game was the turnovers for Loyola, and it's been a story all year. 27 points for Northern Iowa off of 16 Loyola turnovers. That's the difference. So I got that out of the way now. But either way, take the officiating out of it. We're done talking about that. I tweeted at halftime that this game had instant classic written all over it. It was an instant classic. Both teams shot 50% from the field. A.J. Green had himself a game, and I have to say locked up player of the year in the process. Even though I still think Lucas Williamson has a case, I will talk about that in a little bit when I talk about my postseason award predictions. It was an amazing game last night in Cedar Falls. It was a jam-packed house. It was a sold-out gym. I really, really enjoyed it. And I thought that was that shows you the fact that those two teams went to overtime. And I say again, they were tied at halftime. They were tied at the end of regulation. That tells you these were the top two teams in the league. Yes, Loyola's the four seed. I still will stand by it. Loyola will be the best four seed in the tournament history because they are tied for second. And they were in regulation. They were going inside for a mid-range shot or drawing a foul instead of shooting a three. They were that close. They were that close to being the number one seed. They had their opportunities. Both teams did. Both teams had their opportunities to close out this game. They went to overtime. Northern Iowa, in in the extra period. Let me get the box score up here. Northern Iowa outscored Loyola 15-9. There's your difference. 46-46 to 46 after one quarter. 87-87 after two periods. And 15 and 9 in overtime. I said one quarter, I should have said one half. Yeah, that was just an amazing game last night. And the fact that that could be a rematch, that could be a rematch on Saturday of Arch Madness. Because the way the bracket's out, Northern Iowa, again, the one seed, takes on the winner of the 8 9 game. If Northern Iowa moves on, they play the winner of the 4 5 game, which is Loyola Bradley. We could get that rematch at 2.30 in the afternoon on Saturday. 
And I think it's going to be a cool game if that happens. I think it's going to be a great game. Let's get to a couple questions I did have come in here. He is officially the Bishop Emeritus now because there is a new Bishop of Blurs. I do not know who it is yet. But Jonah Blatt chimes in. Marquise Kennedy is going to play like a man possessed and average 15-plus points a game in St. Louis. That's something we have to think about, too. This Loyola team last night did all of that. Put up 96 points, and they were putting up a fight, shot 50% from the field, without Marquise Kennedy. Marquise Kennedy brings a different level of energy off the bench, and even it, you can even start him. He brings such a level of energy, and he can make explosive plays. He's a difference maker, and I think this game would be a little bit different. I would say a little bit, maybe a lot different if he's in the lineup. I think there are some games down the stretch that would be different if Marquise was not hurt. I know he's been out for most of the month with, I believe it's a knee. I thought I heard hamstring, but I guess it's a knee. I did talk to him briefly at the ISU game on Monday because I was at the Illinois State game on Monday. I was down in normal. It was great. It was cool catching up with everybody. I really enjoyed it. I was standing courtside. Now, I talked to Marquise, see how he's doing. He said he's coming along fine. If I had to guess, and I've not heard from Drew Valentine, we'll hear from Drew this week in his press conferences. If I had to guess, I'm guessing Marquise is going to be good to go in St. Louis. That's just from talking to him. So do with that what you will. We'll get the official word from Drew Valentine. I don't know if there's a teleconference tomorrow. I know he will speak on Wednesday. Because I have the schedule of events here. But either way, we'll hear from Drew Valentine about that. But I would guess Marquise Kennedy will be back this weekend. I don't know the severity of the injury, but it was enough to keep him out for the regular season or at the very least save him for St. Louis. Based on my conversation with him on Monday, he'll be good to play. That's going to be a big difference for Loyola. Let's look closer at the bracket. Because the bracket's out, we're going to do a full breakdown. By the way, as the mailbag is open, I can't... I used to, when I did this, the, I guess it was really the one year I did this on campus before COVID, I used to take some calls. Obviously working remotely, and we're going to continue working remotely. I cannot take calls while working remotely. So chime in on my Twitter at Nick Schultz underscore seven. You can reply to my tweet. I put out a couple tweets promoting the show. You can slide into my DMs if you don't want it to be public. I don't care. I still I can see them both. I have my tweet deck open in front of me. Feel free to chime in. I want interaction here. It's not as cool as having calls. But either way, we're going to have some interaction here because I want to hear from you. Because last night's game, I know people have thoughts on, and I know there are other games people have thoughts on. We've got postseason awards coming out this week. You got Coach of the Year coming out this week. You got predictions if you want to make them. Loyola's on Bubble Watch. I'll talk about the NCAA tournament chances as well. We've got a lot of ground to cover. If you want to chime in on any of that, if you have thought, if you want to call me out for being wrong about something, if you think I'm right about something and feel I need the reassurance because I like being right, let me know. Uh, the mailbag is open. Ask me anything, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Ask me anything related to Arch Madness. I don't dare say ask me anything. Bracket breakdown. All right, first game, Illinois State, Indiana State. I think Indiana State has had a weird year. 
and weird is the only word I can think of because they had the coaching change, which I had my thoughts on last year. When they got rid of Greg Lansing, they brought in Josh Schertz from D2. He's, I think he's done a pretty good job this year. They lost Tyreek Key. Tyreek Key took the extra COVID year. He was going to play, and he could have been all league again. He got hurt. That's huge for Indiana State. So they're the nine seed. They're still a scrappy team. When it comes to the 8-9 game, I could see Indiana State pulling it off. But Illinois State still has Antonio Reeves, who is playing at a high level as well. So I think that 8-9 game, I think that's going to be a really interesting game to kick things off on Thursday. The 7-10 game, Valpo-Evansville, I mean, outside of Frederick, no Frederick and Shamar Givens for Evansville, they don't have anybody. I mean, I wish I was exaggerating, but they don't have anybody besides those two. So I think Valpo is going to win that game. And I'm very, very curious to see what happens with Todd Licklider. I know there have been some rumors on social media that I'm not going to repeat, but there's, I've got my thoughts on it. It's been a couple of years now. We'll see what happens with Todd Licklider at Evansville after Arch Madness. But I think Valpo wins that game on Thursday. Friday, Northern Iowa gets the winner of the ISUs. I either, no matter who wins that game, I'm taking Northern Iowa to go on to Saturday. I just don't think they can match up with especially A.J. Green. But we've also got Bowen Bourne. You've got Noah Carter, who's playing well. You've also got Austin Fife, who I know has been impacted heavily by COVID. He doesn't play as much. So you've got Noah Carter filling in. He's doing a great job. Bowen Bourne, Taiwan Pickford still out there as well. Trey Burhow, they've got pieces. I think Northern Iowa goes on to Saturday. Loyola Bradley, this game is going to be really, really interesting because I remember vividly this was 2019. It was the year after Loyola made the Final Four run. Loyola was a two seed. It was Loyola Bradley, Friday of Arch Madness, and Bradley was not expected to win. Bradley won. Actually, I think Loyola might have been the three seed that year now, now that I think about it. Either way. Loyola was not the one seed that year. Were they? Now I'm second-guessing myself. Regardless. Regardless. Loyola and Bradley played in 2019 in Arch Madness. Because I remember I was there. I was taking pictures. And Bradley was not supposed to win that game. Stunned Loyola. I mean, everybody was just... It was, even after the game, the media was like, holy cow, Bradley won that game. So that is something to keep in mind for this game. I cannot believe I can't remember the details now. I'm second-guessing myself. Either way, Loyola-Bradley, two tough games in the regular season this year between those two teams. I think it's a really intriguing matchup. I could see it going either way. But I think Loyola coming off that loss last night to Northern Iowa, having Marquise Kennedy back, having his energy back, I'm taking Loyola, but I think it's going to be close. I think I'm going to take Loyola to beat Bradley in that game to set up a Northern Iowa-Loyola rematch on Saturday. Missouri State gets the winner of Valpo-Evansville. I think that's going to be an interesting game as well. I cannot pick against Gage Prim and Isaiah Mosley against Valpo. Missouri State's going on to Saturday. Drake-Southern Illinois. Let's take you back to yesterday. If I can find the score from yesterday. Drake and Southern Illinois just played. This was last night. 
Drake led 34-20 at halftime. Southern Illinois kicked it into gear in the second half. Drake ended up winning 62-60 thanks to a big-time Roman Penn jump shot. You talk about a good game. That was awesome yesterday. Drake pulled out the win. But that was close, and that was at Map Center. That was in Des Moines that Southern Illinois did that. So now, six days later, they're going to face off again. And honestly, I know the old saying is it's tough to beat a team three times. And I know Drake's had his fair share of struggles this year. This is going to be like Loyola Bradley. I could really see this one going either way. we got to take seeding out of it in this case. Brian Mullen's team plays hard. Darren DeVries, enough said with Drake. I've got to lean Drake, but watch out for Southern Illinois to maybe make a run. So if you're following along, I've got one, four, two, three on Saturday. You and I, Loyola, oh man, this is all hypothetical, obviously. That's going to be, if that happens, it's going to be wild. And then Missouri State and Drake, that's kind of what I have to think about this. Because it, I wanted to do like a prediction all the way through. But realistically, I can't tell you what's going to happen after Friday. This is not like a 68-team bracket. I'm not going to try and do that. I'm not going to try and declare a winner of this tournament because the last tournament I attended in person was March of 2020 when the number one seed Loyola, and the, or the number one seed Northern Iowa and the number two seed Loyola lost. They lost on day one of the tournament. That was the first time in history a top two seeds lost in their first games. And then seven seed Valpo made a run to the championship. And I know why I had Loyola Bradley flipped. It just hit me. No, I, did, I didn't Google this. It just hit me. That Loyola Bradley game in 2019 happened on Saturday. That's why I'm like, Bradley was a four seed. Yeah, Loyola was a one seed. Bradley was a four seed. Going into Saturday of Arch Madness, and Bradley stunned Loyola to go on to the championship and eventually win the championship and go to March Madness. That's why I had that wrong. See, you just got to bear with me on these things. So yes, that was Saturday that that happened. Yes, that's right. That's absolutely right. I was going to look for my, because I remember there was, we wrote a story at the Phoenix that day about that game, and I had, I had the pictures. That's why I remember this game so well. I was taking pictures. And I was going to go look for the story. It just hit me. That was on Saturday. That's right. So that rematch, I'm... That's going to be... That could be the game of the weekend. Even with the Loyola-Northern Iowa rematch looming on Saturday, if that even happens, I think Loyola-Bradley could be the game of the weekend. I really like what Brian Wardle's doing at Bradley. I mean, he's got a bunch of good pieces, and yeah, they're a five seed. They're what they could have been in that tie for second, and been in that conversation for maybe a two or three seed. That is a good, scrappy team. You've got Terry Roberts, you've got Rinkmast, you got Deshaun Henry back. I think he's coming back. Or is he out for the season? Either way, I know he checked in last night for senior night because he's still hurt. Maybe you'll get Deshaun Henry back. That is a that's a damn good team. 
So Loyola Bradley at 2.30 on Friday. Circle that one. I think that's going to be a really, really, really good game. And who knows? I, I could be way off, and it could be a 15-point blowout. But I don't expect that to happen. I think, especially with Marquise Kennedy coming back for Loyola, with the way Loyola is playing, I mean, they played well against Northern Iowa, and if they can, if they can build off that loss in Peoria earlier this year, and I say earlier this year, it was like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. But there's takeaways from that game to maybe get better. Depending on the adjustments Drew Valentine makes, that's my game of the weekend. And my original plan, actually. So I'm going down to Arch Madness on Friday. I'm missing the Thursday games because I've, I've got to work on the news desk for on three. So I'm going down Friday. And my plan was to be there for the late games. Well, when I saw it was Loyola Bradley at 2.30, might alter my plans a little bit and get there a little earlier because I want to see that game. Mark it here. 11.25 on Sunday afternoon, or Sunday morning, it's not afternoon yet. Sunday morning, February 27th. Game of the weekend. Number four, Loyola. Number five, Bradley. Very excited to see that matchup. Okay, we've got postseason awards coming out this week. And again, if you have predictions, if you want to tell me I'm wrong, if you have thoughts on the bracket, slide into my DMs here at Nick Schultz underscore seven, or you can reply to my tweet either way if you want to throw it out and throw it out in the open. It doesn't matter to me. Either way, I want to hear from you. The mailbag is open here. Like I said, I'd love to take calls. I like taking calls better. But for now, you just got to bear with me and chime in via Twitter or DMs or however you want to. Carrier pigeon, I don't care. But I want to talk postseason awards here because that's going to be interesting. The big debate for me is either A.J. Green or Lucas Williamson for player of the year. And normally, traditionally, like at least it seems like, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to look to see the last time the player of the year was on a team that didn't win the league. And maybe I can find, maybe I can find the history of, of the player of the year. And I can tell you like which team they were on if they won the league. So let's go through here. Cause I just have it up in front of me. The last four, Last four players of the year, three of them were with Loyola. And as I go through here, I just want to, I've got to double check myself. The last five, last five Missouri Valley Conference players of the year have had a share of the conference regular season title. At least. I think you could even go back farther to Fred Van Vliet, and you can say six. You can say se so seven of them. The last seven have had a share of the league title. Cameron Crutwig won last year with Loyola. A.J. Green won it in 2020. Marcus Towns in 2019. Clayton Custer in 2018. Paris Lee in 2017. Fred Van Vliet, 2016. 
the fact that Northern Iowa won last night, if this sticks with precedent, A.J. Green will be your player of the year. And I say that because he went out and dropped 32 points, and I know half of them came from the free throw line. So realistically, from, from the field, he dropped 16 points on the best defensive player in the league. Lucas Williamson had 29.7 rebounds and played strong defense. I can see the case, even though Loyola lost the league, even though Loyola's the four seed, finished tied for second, I could absolutely see a case, and I could make a strong case for Lucas Williamson to be player of the year, even though I think A.J. Green is going to win it. Because what Lucas does on defense, the fact that he plays so well on both sides of the court, I mean, last night he dropped 29 points, he still played strong defense. He's done that multiple times this year, and I know AJ's had some rough games as well. I could very well see a strong case for Lucas Williamson, but based on what I just told you about the precedent in place in the last few years, I have to lean toward AJ Green. And I don't think I'm out of line for saying that. Again, looking at the past at the past, last few years. I mean, I know what Lucas does on defense. I'm pulling up the individual stats now to back up my point. Lucas Williamson right now is in the top fifteen in the league in scoring, top ten in assists, top ten in steals, top ten in three point percentage. And I could honestly say A.J. Green's still going to win because of that extra factor I figured in there. Because A.J. Green is third in the league in scoring. And these are, oh, that's all games. So let me give you a little more context here, take you behind the curtain. There are voters, myself included when I used to vote, who use the conference schedule, which is totally fair. Even still, looking at the conference-only stats, Lucas Williamson is top 10 in scoring. Top 10 in assists. Top 10 in steals. And top 3 in 3-point percentage. A.J. Green leads the league in conference scoring. And other than that... He leads the league in free throw percentage, which is why I could not believe he missed two free throws last night. And as I go through here, top five and three-point field goals. It's top five, three-point percentage, I'm sorry. And I think that's it. So that's why I can see the case for Lucas Williamson. I got more, but I do have to tell you, I'm a little late. We hit the bottom of the hour, so I've got to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, Chicago. I'm coming to you where I have for the last two years now. Wow, we're coming up in two years, broadcasting remotely. I've been two years since I moved home from here in Dwight, Illinois. If you want to chime in, 
Uh, the mailbag's open. Ask me anything Arch Madness related. Nick Schultz underscore seven on Twitter. Tweet me, DM me, beat me, beat me if you want to reach me. I've got more thoughts. And like I said, the player of the year race, to me, it's a, it's a two-man race because Isaiah Mosley, look, this award at one point looked like Isaiah Mosley's to lose. He had some rough games. To me, this is between A.J. Green and Lucas Williamson. To me, because Northern Iowa won the league, it's going to go to A.J. However, I can absolutely see Lucas Williamson winning this award. I don't know, and I'd have to ask the Valley office this, and I can get an answer if anybody's curious. If you're like me and you like weird weird facts. I can ask and find out when the last time somebody won the Larry Bird Trophy and did not win the league. Yeah, B. Flem chiming in here on Twitter. Which Thursday team has the best chance to make some noise? Look, I will never, ever, ever sleep on Valparaiso. And I tweeted earlier in this conference season, I would not want to see this Valpo team in St. Louis. I mean, they've got they've got pieces, man. Yeah, they they've got some guys that can make some noise. And I'm talking about Kobe King. I'm talking about Ben Cricky. They've got they've got dudes. And Valpo Sheldon Edwards plays good defense as well. Do not sleep on Valpo. And they've got other guys down there that I have even mentioned. Like Kevion Taylor. They've got some dudes. That is a dangerous, dangerous team. And I know they don't necessarily jump off the page. That's why they're the seventh seed. But do not sleep on Valparaiso. They took Loyola to the wire twice. They've been close multiple times this year. Yes, I know Bradley beat them pretty handily yesterday. But even going through their schedule, they were within two possessions of Drake. And I know they lost to Illinois State earlier this month. But they were they beat Northern Iowa, first of all. That's one thing. Yeah, they beat Northern Iowa. They can do it. They've made, I mean, they made some noise in 2020. They went from Thursday to Sunday before, I mean, honestly, and this is this is a fact. I remember it vividly, and I talked about it with Paul Oren at the time, their beat writer. They were tired. That's not easy to go from the 8.30 game on Thursday. So here's how this would work if, if this happens again. Valpo would play Thursday at 8.30 p.m., Friday at 6 p.m. It's a quick turnaround in and of itself, right? Then they got Saturday at 5 p.m., okay? They got the late game on Saturday, and then the championship is 1 o'clock on Sunday. That is a grind. That's not easy to do, so yet they got tired in 2020. But they've done it once. I could see it happening again. And I'm looking through to see the matchups with Missouri State. 
looks like both times Missouri State handled them pretty well. If Isaiah Mosley is on, that Missouri State team's going to be unstoppable. But if he's having a little bit of an off night, like he did when Loyola played him down at JQH, if Gage Prim doesn't go to work, watch out. As we well know, anything can happen in St. Louis. Two years ago, the top two seeds lost on Friday. Anything can happen down there. And that's what makes this tournament so great. That's why this is my favorite show of the year. I love previewing this tournament. I love looking at the possibilities and impossibilities. I feel like, and I'm, I love making my Marvel references with this. I feel like the watcher where I'm taking you into different realities and showing you what could be, what could have been. Because this will be, well, in person at least, this will be my fifth. And this will be my sixth one that I've covered closely. So when it comes to the recent history like this, I love this stuff. And I know I'm not try trying to put myself in a level of a Dave Reynolds where Dave covered all of them and this will be the first one he's not reporting for the Journal Star, I believe, in our last year. Either way, I'm not trying to put myself in that conversation. But when it comes to the recent history here, this is like, I, I, I love being, I feel like Les Grobstein where I can say I was there. And I remember watching Valpo go on that run. I'm sitting on press row just impressed. I couldn't believe it. I got the sense Matt Laddick couldn't believe it. So do not sleep on Valparaiso. Let's look at newcomer of the year, going back to postseason awards. Earlier in the year, I tweeted if it would be between Terry Roberts and Ryan Schwieger. Well, Ryan Schwieger went cold until last night, but too little too late. So to me, I could see an argument for Kobe King. I could see an argument for Chris Knight. I think Chris Knight put himself in that conversation considering, I know at one point recently, he led or was in the top three of field goal percentage in the nation. And looking at it here, once the NCAA website decides to, you know, cooperate with me. I know he was at one point in the top three of field goal percentage in the country. So he is absolutely in that discussion for Newcomer of the Year. If it's me right now, I'm leaning Terry Roberts. I just think he's done great things at Bradley. I'd probably lean Terry Roberts, but don't sleep on Chris Knight. Freshman of the year, this no no question is Tucker DeVries. I mean, what he's done as a freshman playing for his dad, Tucker DeVries is far and away the freshman of the year this year. There's, there's no question. Sixth man of the year, I... It's got to be Bowen Bourne, right? I think Chris, I, someone asked me about Chris Knight yesterday, and I could see why you would think that, but I know and I can, I still, for the life of me, cannot remember the number. It's a weird number. There is a percentage of conference games that you have to be out, that you have to come off the bench in order to qualify for six man of the year. I think Chris Knight started too many games. 
So to me, it's got to be Bowen Bourne. And I think last night cemented it with the dagger three. That kid's going to be special. Defensive player of the year, I'm not even going to. It's Lucas Williamson. Most improved, I could see going to Antonio Reeves. There are a couple other names. Most improved's tough. I know Antonio Reeves kind of took off this year. But yeah, that one, that one, not easy to predict. But yeah, I think the big one is going to be player of the year. I just don't know. Do you stick with recent precedent? Do you stick with what's happened the last few years? Or do you break away and give it to Lucas Williamson because he's all around both sides of the ball? I can see the argument. I, I don't know. And I'm not quite sure when that's going to drop. I'm not sure if I know the full schedule for that. But either way, this week, we will find out who's going to win each of these awards. We're going to win. We're going to find out first team, second team, third team. I'm being intrigued. But I know this weekend for sure is going to be so much fun. I cannot wait. Like, I think my parents are tired of hearing me talk about it because I'm, just, I'm so excited because last year I, I covered it from home. And then I got my... <laughs> I got my second COVID shot right in the middle of it. And that was, uh, yes, it was Friday's slate of games. I got my second COVID shot because Saturday I was just miserable. Like, I think I would, I was laying down on the couch because I'd watch from my, my garage where I'm doing the show from right now. And I'd watch it out here. I'd be laying on the couch during the game. I'd sit up to tweet and check the media stats at halftime or at, the media timeout, and then I'd lay back down and put a towel over my head or something because I had such a bad headache. But being there in person, it's going to be a blast. And I can't wait to see how many people make the trip just because last year I know we couldn't have many fans there. It's going to be so much fun. There's a reason it's my favorite weekend of the year. And I know for Loyola fans, it's the last one. Which, by the way, speaking of that, it's been going around Valley Twitter, and I, I will acknowledge it now. If anybody wants to set an over-under of how many times we hear an MVC chant in St. Louis, I'm open to suggestions. I will probably start a running tally of that once I get to St. Louis. And I have a feeling... They will start with the Bradley game because I know some Bradley fans on Twitter are kind of planning that. Was that Barstool Bradley that started that? But if anybody wants to set a number, I'm I'm listening. I'm There's going to be a lot of that because Loyola obviously moving on to the Atlantic 10 next year. So this is the last Arch Madness for Loyola. And then next year, I think Arch Madness next year is going to have a different vibe to it in terms of you're bringing in Murray State, which travels really well. You're bringing in Belmont, which I believe also travels really well. Yes, you're bringing in UIC. Give them time. I mean, they're not they're not the level of Murray State and Belmont. They're toward the bottom of the Horizon League, but I think Luke Yaklich is building that program the right way, and I think 
in time, they're going to be something, especially with there's a recruiting advantage to being in the Valley compared to the Horizon League. I mean, if anyone can attest to that, it's Loyola. And I think Luke Yaklic is just as good of a recruiter, if not maybe a little bit better of a recruiter than Porter Moser. Yes, I said that on the air. Take that as you will. Not that Porter's a bad recruiter, but I think Luke Yaklic is also really good at that aspect of it. I mean, the guy recruited for John Beeline at Michigan. And I want to say he did the same thing for Shaka Smart at Texas before he went to UIC. He knows what he's doing. So give UIC time. But Murray State and Belmont are going to bring really good fan bases to St. Louis. And I think, I don't know if it's going to be like a Wichita State level where Wichita State used to take over the whole damn arena. They'd be playing on Friday and there'd be Wichita State fans there. And I'll never forget the last year they were in the league when it was Wichita State, Illinois State in the title game. I kid you not, half the stadium was yellow. The other half was red. There was a line. I remember standing in the tunnel. And I did a, I think I was doing a stand-up for the Rampart Sports Locker at the time. And I remember looking out the tunnel at the court. And I turned and one half was yellow and the other half was red. So... Murray State and Belmont, I'm not saying they're going to be on that level, but they're going to bring good fan bases. And I think it's going to bring an extra dimension to Arch Madness because I love when the fans get into it. It's part of what make the, makes the tournament so great. The fans get into it. It impacts the game. And I I just can't wait to hear the bands. I mean, I'm getting, I'm going to get all nostalgic and stuff but that's always my favorite part of the tournament is I kind of in my head and I don't I don't do it as much on Twitter I might on the show this year we'll see I usually try and pick which bands are the best and Northern Iowa always brings up Bradley's Bradley's and Illinois State are two of the best in the valley Loyola's turned into one of the best in the valley and I, that's a bias there because I was in the band of wolves for a year and a half but that's going to be so much fun the atmosphere is going to be unreal if you're around come say hey I'm Love seeing everybody, and I'll be around too, but this is going to be a blast. And yes, Jonah, Yaklich is a Michigan guy. He's also from LaSalle, Peru, I believe, which is like an hour from my house, and he went to Olivet before he transferred to Illinois State. So that's something cool as well. But no, this weekend's going to be a blast. And you heard my predictions. Anything can happen. And that was a good question from BFLEM, BFLEM underscore 24. I think Valpo is the team to watch on Thursday that can make a run because they could have easily been in the top six and been on Friday. I've still got about 12 minutes left here. And we had a wild day in college basketball yesterday, so I'm going to switch to that for the last few minutes. But if you have any more thoughts on Arch Madness, chime in. I'll pivot back. I mean, Today's show is primarily an Arch Madness preview. There's a reason I've spent 48 minutes talking about the tournament already. I'm going to talk about other stuff, but feel free. Chime back in. Let's keep the conversation going. But yesterday, 
The top six teams lost. The top six teams in the AP Top 25 lost. Gonzaga, Arizona, Auburn, Purdue, Kansas, Kentucky, and number nine, Texas Tech lost as well. Absolutely crazy day, and I believe I saw that was a record. Most top 10 teams to lose in a single day. Michigan State against Purdue. I was assigned to that game for on three. Wrote a buzzer story for it. Watched it, reported on it. That was awesome. Tyson Walker hit the biggest shot of his life. And I'm, that's not my words, that's his. He ranked it as the top shot of his life. Biggest shot of his life. And it sent Purdue another loss. And it shook up the Big Ten standings even more because Wisconsin won. So now Wisconsin has the lead in the Big Ten. The Big Ten, I continue to say, is chaos. Absolute chaos. Old friend alert, Porter Moser at OU got a big win over Oklahoma State in Bedlam. I mean, that game went to overtime. There was people wondering if it was going to get to 100 points, which was a typical Porter Moser game. Good for Porter, good for Oklahoma. That kind of helps them maybe stay on the bubble a little bit. Speaking of the bubble, let me find bracketology from today. From ESPN, because Joe Lenardi dropped it. I know he, it was last night that he he dropped a somewhat updated bracketology, I think, right after the Loyola game. And I think this is the most updated one. It is 16 hours ago. Joe Lenardi has the Valley as a two-bid league. And it's close because Loyola Chicago's in the last four in. Northern Iowa, he's got projected as the automatic qualifier, winning Arch Madness. So the Valley could be a two-bid league. I don't see Oklahoma on here. So either he's got them in off the bubble or not on the bubble anymore. Either way, I, I could see the argument either way on that. But Loyola Chicago is on the bubble. And I'm I forgot to bring this up, too. Think back here. Remember when I previewed the Valley schedule? I previewed the Valley schedule, sat here, and we are talking about what teams could make a run, what teams could win the league. Northern Iowa had a really rough non-conference schedule, and I sat here and said, watch out for the Panthers. Because they're coached by Ben Jacobson. They've got A.J. Green. They've got other pieces. I think Bowen Bourne was one I even threw out there. Told you. Josh Betts, good friend of the show. I'll see him this weekend. Josh says, listening to your show, I feel like all conference and specialty award winners have typically been announced on Monday or Tuesday, uh, but I've asked and haven't heard back. Yeah, I I feel like it's been Monday or Tuesday. I can never remember. Appreciate you tuning in, Josh. I'll see you this weekend, man. And I I lose track. Like some Coach of the year will be announced, I think that's Thursday. Coach of the Year will be announced because there's the Coach of the Year luncheon. And the reason I remember that is because when Porter Moser won it, that was in 2018, we were on our way to St. Louis and I filed the story from the car because we drove down on Thursday when we were in college. But yes, I believe 
all of that comes out either tomorrow, Monday, or Tuesday. Either way, I'm intrigued to see what the voters decide to do, especially at Player of the Year. Oh, Loyola's got to make it to the championship now. The Bishop Emeritus himself is going to be there. I just got confirmation from him. Loyola's got to make the championship now. I don't make the rules. But, man, i got to go back to yesterday just for these last few minutes. What a wild, wild day in college hoops. And I know the question is, and I had this conversation the other night. That's why I'm bringing it up to fill some time. I'm not going to be able to, I don't have time to address the Juwan Howard situation at Michigan. I mean, that was last Sunday after the show wrapped up with the, the melee in Madison and the suspensions came out. I don't have time to get to that. I, I do have thoughts if I've got some time maybe down the road, but I don't have time to address it right now. But the question is, who should be the number one pick this year? Paolo Bancaro, Chet Holmgren, or Jabari Smith? That's kind of the question I have written down. But I know mock drafts have been coming out as well. That's why I'm going to read this from Daryl Horowitz, who used to co-host the show with me. And he he was always, when I got the Arch Madness season, I want to talk about it. We talk a lot of pro sports when he hosted the show, and I loved it. But Daryl chimes in, do you ever watch Alabama and Javon Quinterly? He's an incredible ball handler, passer, and creator going to the basket. I watch a little bit of Alabama. I've been watching a lot of Big Ten this year. I do like Javon Quinterly's game, and I know you kind of brought him up for a potential Bulls pick maybe this year. I do know the mock drafts that I've seen have the Bulls drafting Trevor Keels out of Duke, who I'd be perfectly fine with. I really like Trevor Keels. I think that would be a good pick. But yeah, I've not watched much Alabama this year because I've been I've watched a lot of Big Ten basketball this year. Jaden Ivey's going to be special. He's in that conversation for the top pick as well, but I don't, I don't think he's got the advantage over Paolo Boncaro, Chet Holmgren, or Jabari Smith. Like Jaden Ivey's going to be special. Johnny Davis is unreal for Wisconsin. Kofi Coburn, enough said. But yes, I have watched a little bit of Javon Quinterly. I like his game. And I, like I said, I know, we, I know we've had this conversation before. It, that'd be an interesting pick for the Bulls, but they got Trevor Keels mocked to them right now. I wouldn't mind that one bit. So number one pick this year, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Boncaro, Jabari Smith. A lot has been made about Jabari Smith's game, and rightfully so. He's a very special player. I have watched Auburn this year quite a bit. It's the only non-Big Ten team I've really watched more. And watching his game, I mean, he's ultra-talented. He's an amazing jump shooter. He's got a very good shooting stroke. I like his game a lot. Chet Holmgren is, he's what, 7-1 for Gonzaga and seems to do it all. I feel like every night they play, he's got some kind of highlight reel play that People keep saying a guy his size shouldn't make that play. Paulo Banquero at Duke. I really like his game as well. He he can score, he can rebound, he can he can pass. If it's me, and obviously it depends on how the lottery shakes out, depends on who's got the number one pick, what needs they need to fill. I have to take Paolo Boncaro number one. I know that 
It's not exactly the popular choice because I know a lot of people think Jabari Smith's going to go number one. If it's me, I'm taking Paolo Boncaro. I th- and this is kind of an unfair criticism, but it's just a fact for going to the league. Chad Holmes, you're gonna, he's got to put on some weight. Like, if you're going to go to the NBA, he's got to put on some weight. And that's it's not a knock. He's just lanky, which is okay. I was once a lanky kid. I'm not obviously like 6'1", not 7'1". But as someone who was a lanky kid, yeah, he's, he's got to put on a little weight. And obviously, if you get the right training regimen, that's fixable. And Jabari Smith, look, I think he it's between him and Paolo for number one. Right now, I'm leaning Paolo. Jabari could easily top him. There's, there's tons of time left. But I, if I'm leaning right now, I'm taking Paolo just because he can do it all in a way. And I th- does he play the four for Duke? I think he's I think he's their four man. But either way, I mean, 16.7 points, 8.1 rebounds. He's shooting 45.9% from the field. Like, Jabari Smith is a pure scorer. I understand that. That's what makes him so great. But I think... I think Paolo has the most upside. Uh, Daryl chimes in quickly before I wrap up. Uh, Quinterly might not even get drafted because he's just 6'1 and already 23, but he's as talented passing and ball handling as almost anyone in the NBA. I watch most of his games. Look at Walker Kessler at Auburn for a big... Yeah, and I mean, Javon Quinterly is a talented player. Maybe he could be a, a second-round pick, take a flyer, develop him in the G League, or be like Io Sumu and get a rotational role and light it up in the NBA. But but Walker Kessler, he's, if you want defense, you take Walker Kessler at Auburn. Okay, quickly, before I wrap up, programming note, next week's show, live from St. Louis. I don't know if I'll be at Enterprise Center or not. I don't know what the plan is for that. I've got to work out a couple of things, but either way, be in St. Louis next weekend doing the show from Arch Madness. It's going to be a fun tournament. Had a lot of fun previewing it today. Thank you to everybody who chimed in. B. Flem, Jonah Blatt. I know Mike Watson chimed in as well. My buddy Mike. Josh Betts chimed in. Thank you, everybody, for listening and talking about this with me. Let's keep this going next week. I might do a Twitter Spaces or something previewing the tournament later this week as well just because I know there's going to be a lot of content for this tournament, but Friday, I will be on my way down there. I'm hoping to make it in time for Loyola Bradley. Just depends on basically when I get out of bed. But it's going to be a lot of fun. going to be a great weekend. The bracket is out. Specialty awards will come out this week. First team, second team, third team. Player of the year, defensive player of the year, newcomer of the year, sixth band of the year. Coach of the year will come out on Thursday before the tournament starts. It's going to be a blast. So I hope I can continue to talk about this with you this week. See you. From St. Louis, Sunday at 11 o'clock on WUW 88.7 FM in the Sunday Sports Shootout. Have an awesome week, everybody. Enjoy the tournament this weekend. I will talk to you next week.